0: Hi, my name is Pete Redden, and welcome to The Way I Taught It, next-level aviation knowledge in microbursts. This episode is brought to you by Vapor Global Aviation, creating tomorrow's pilots today. Look them up on Facebook and LinkedIn, Vapor Global Aviation. With recent changes to the Airman Certification Standards demanding scenario-based training and evaluation to successfully attain your pilot certificates and ratings, the general aviation community needs to do its best to up its training game not necessarily in knowledge but a higher level of how to properly apply and or execute that knowledge within a dynamic environment in which we operate the goal is to keep these lessons as short as possible yet as densely packed with usable information thanks for listening this is episode 2 of the way i taught it fog as we continue our discussion about weather from episode 1 it still remains the weakest area i have seen on both practical exams and written test results the same 12 categories of weather of which a minimum of 3 must be tested, are contained in the Airman Certification Standards for each certificate and rating you can earn. I'll let you look them up. Today we'll discuss FOG, and then demonstrate how a scenario for instruction in preparation for the practical exam can be generated. FOG. What a unique phenomenon that occurs all across the world in seemingly different conditions generating dangerous threats against pilots of every experience level. So what is this cloud on the ground? Although many different types of fog exist, what principle-centered similarities between them can we take away and apply in any situation? Let us ponder fog. Ask any pilot how fog forms the immediate answer, it forms when the temperature and dew point are the same. Well, that is correct and well oversimplified. As flight instructors and pilot examiners, we cannot accept oversimplified answers in aviation. The answer provided by most pilots is still lacking a bit of depth. Fog can form with temperature dew point spreads of 2 degrees Celsius or 4 degrees Fahrenheit. Remember that fact for later in the podcast. This fact also demonstrates a more potential threat fog can impart than the oversimplified answer it implies. There are many different types of fog that can occur in nature. Radiation fog, advection fog, upslope fog, frontal fog, and steam fog. Now, we will touch on the formation of each one in a minute, but let's discuss fog in general. Bottom line, for fog to form, there must exist something cool relative to something warm. And the something warm must contain moisture to a point just short of complete saturation, just outside the 2-4 degree dew point spread. When the cool something interacts with the warm something, or vice versa, and moisture is involved, fog will form. So let's take a look at each type of fog and how it forms. Radiation fog is produced over land when radiational cooling brings the air above the land down to within the temperature dew point spread for fog to form. So in this case, the calm, cool, clear night comes into play allowing heat to escape into space. Air changes temperature more rapidly than terra firma. So the air is something cool. And the ground is something warm. The ground in this case contains the moisture. As the air above the ground cools overnight, the ground begins to cool at a slower rate. As such, it releases moisture into the air just above it, and fog is formed. Advection Fog Here we have warm moisture-laden air moving over a cold surface. Wind is required for the movement and also determines the severity. Normally this occurs along the east and west coasts. On the east coast you normally have warm ocean water with wind moving towards cooler land. On the west coast, you normally have warm, moisture-filled fl- air flowing from the land towards the cooler, o- colder ocean. As wind increases towards 15 knots, the fog will become significantly denser. Above 15 knots, the fog lifts to a low overcast. Upslope Fog Here we have warm, moisture-laden air moving up the side of a mountain adiabatically. That is the key word, adiabatically, as in occurring without any gain or loss in heat. The air moves up the mountainside with 5-15 to knots of wind and maintains its temperature and moisture content while doing so. Then at some point up the slope, it then cools rapidly to the temperature dew point spread and fog forms. Frontal fog. Warm moisture laden air moves up over cooler air and rain begins to fall through the cooler air. The cooler air, already being close to the temperature dew point spread required for fog, is pushed to close the gap via evaporation or sublimation of the rain or snow and fog forms. Steam fog. Very cold air moves over relatively warm water. Think about a tea kettle whistling and the plume of steam coming out, or a hot cup of coffee with no lid from your favorite cafe. As with the tea kettle, there will be turbulence directly over that body of water as you fly through it. You may witness columns of fog rising and swirling when the temperature dew point spread is a bit further apart than exactly the same. Great, now that we know how fog forms, we already know it affects visibility in a negative way, so what, what, pray tell, could be next? So again, in a general academic way, yes it is dangerous, but why? Although legal and not very smart, nor do I support unless you're talking about medevac or life flight operations, some Part 91 IFR operations allow an instrument-rated pilot to take off in zero visibility and ceiling, i.e. zero-zero, a.k.a. fog. Unless there is some kind of compounding problem such as an emergency, loss of aircraft control, or controlled flight into terrain, the, in my opinion, reckless pilot who performs this operation will most likely get away with it. Don't do it. It really is not worth it. Drive instead. So that brings us to the impacts of fog during landing. We will cover a multitude of topics here such as sun angle, visual illusions, elevator illusion, and the ability of fog to form rapidly. Sun angle. If you have not experienced it yet, you will, especially if you fly early in the morning. After a day of rain and warm temperatures, a clear cool night follows and you can absolutely expect radiation fog by dawn. With the low sun angle, the light of of the sun is trying to penetrate the fog horizontally causing massive scattering of the light and glare to, to the east. Look west and it may seem clear and blue. Do not let that fool you. It is not. As the sun rises higher, if the fog persists, it may seem safe to make an approach and landing. It is most likely not. How about the angle at which you approach the fog while you are landing? As you peer down from atop your perch in the left or right seat, you are looking down through the fog vertically. This may lure you into thinking the fog is not so bad because I can see the runway. But once you enter the fog your angle changes to horizontal as you try and land. At this point you realize that the 50-foot layer of fog that looked benign because you were looking down through the fog has become exponentially dangerous now that you're trying to see thousands of feet down the runway with no horizon. Visual illusions come into play as well. Fog will create an illusion that the object in the distance is further away than it really is due to light scatter deceiving our optical brain processes. This small layer of fog can throw you off, throw off your visual acuity of the runway just enough that you round out late and impact the ground at an unfavorable angle. Here we have another example of weather causing a perfectly good airplane and pilot to fly into the ground, again known as controlled flight into terrain. When dealing with steam fog on final approach over a marsh, pond, or lake, the upward force creating turbulence may generate elevator illusion, especially with the nighttime conditions required. As you make the stable approach, you cross over the water and get bumped upwards and it triggers an inner ear response of a continuing ascent. You rapidly pitch the nose down and end up dangerously low or worse. Finally, when the temperature dew point spread is closing on 2 degrees Celsius or 4 degrees Fahrenheit, fog can form almost instantaneously. Most of us experience this eerie feeling at some point. If you are attentive and expecting the unexpected, you may go around and divert to another airfield. The most likely illusion to happen in this case is the feeling of pitching up or continuing to pitch up if already going around, once entering the fog. This, once again, leads to an unnecessarily untimely pitch down. Our nemesis, controlled flight into terrain, rears its ugly head again. So let's build one of the many potential scenarios using a hypothetical airport out in the Rockies. Let's say the airport is located halfway up a mountain. On the left, at the top of the mountain, there is snow fit for skiing and skiers abound. Down below, to the right, in the valley, the weather is warm and the streams are full. You are on final approach. You check ATIS and notice a crosswind of about 10 knots from the right to the left and a temperature dew point spread of 3 degrees Celsius. On your right, the valley, to your left, the snowy mountain peak. You have the flight controls. As you assess the situation, you note that from the information previously presented, that upslope fog, or possibly advection fog, is in play. Although no fog has formed yet, you perceive a threat. As you begin to process, your attention turns towards the potentially dangerous situations of a rapidly forming fog event. You review the applicable illusions that may occur, such as the feeling of pitching up once entering the fog, how objects appear further away than in reality, and the potential for controlled flight into terrain. Are you going to continue? Maybe. At least you are armed with the right information and healthy skepticism about the situation. Maybe you decide, I'm just going to divert and avoid the situation altogether. This is acceptable as well. Let's review. Our aim is to avoid providing an oversimplified answer to a complicated question. We need to demonstrate not only knowledge, but demonstrate the application of our knowledge as well as our risk management process on a daily lesson or practical exam. We do not want to run on with drivel either, or as I call it, verbal diarrhea. Albert Einstein once said, Quote, if you cannot explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. I like to paraphrase for my instructors. If you can't explain it simply, you simply don't understand it yourself. Again, I'm Pete Redden, and that's another episode in the books. Or I guess, in the smartphone. Thank you for finding my podcast worthy of inclusion in your study of aviation. Until next time, fly safe, fly smart. That's the way I taught it. Episode references? Pilot's Handbook of Aeronautical Knowledge, Chapters 12 and 17, Advisory Circular 00-6B, Aviation Weather, Chapter 16, Advisory Circular 61-134, Controlled Flight into Terrain Awareness, FAAsafety.gov 3P Risk Management Process, Airman's Information Manual, Paragraph 8-1-5, and Personal Experience.